Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Don. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I, I do want to talk about education as well because you're you write on so many topics as well as education. But of course, this is a developing story this morning and all week long as we think about this day. Can you take us through a bit of what you what your investigation, your research, your interviews have um, told you as far as Iran's role in this brutal attack? Well, sure. I mean, you don't require uh, much investigation because Hamas uh, themselves were bragging uh, just the other day that uh, that Iran gave them the green light last week to uh, go into Israel and uh, massacre their civilian population. Uh, Iran has since denied any involvement in it, but uh, that's really hard to believe since Iran has been funding Hamas for decades. Uh, Hamas is essentially a proxy of Iran. Uh, the the very day of the attacks, Ayatollah, Kham- Ayatollah Khomeini was uh, on X, formerly Twitter, um, talking about the eradication of the Jewish people and posting videos of, uh, you know, teenagers and young adults at the concert uh, where they were being massacred. So it's, it's a completely clear that Iran was behind this attack. Yeah. And, and, you know, locally, we just learned because we had heard from a family of a 20 year old DJ from New Jersey and as well in Bucks County. A woman originally from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, a suburb just outside of Philadelphia, a beloved lady, uh, Carol Simentov. And she was originally from Levittown in Bucks County, and, but uh, she was in Israel at the time of this and was killed by Hamas. So certainly it, it hits home, you know, for us as many gather. Mm-hmm. And Monday, of course, will be gathered in Philadelphia and the region. There are dozens of different, um, Jewish groups and, and just supportive groups gathering for a day of prayer on Monday for our local communities just coping with this. Um, but, you know, when you look at this attack and you think about um, the so-called Congress-Hamas caucus, uh, you've written about this. Take us through the, the Hamas caucus and just your take on, on the ridiculous nature of their statements. Well, sure. So, I mean... Uh they they call themselves the squad. You know, it's Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and some others. Uh, they really should be called the Hamas caucus because they have been doing nothing but uh, defending Hamas, uh, defending uh, the uh, these these brutal attacks and, uh, and and putting the blame for for the attacks entirely on uh, Israel. Uh, and they are calling now uh, for restraint. Uh, but but essentially, you know, restraint uh, means uh, that that Israel should just unilaterally disarm uh, and that they should allow these terrorists to come in and massacre their citizens with impunity and then be rewarded with sovereign Israeli territory. Uh, you know, all Americans with a moral compass have to recognize 
that these declarations from the squad are entirely disingenuous uh, and uh, just essentially um, <clears throat> that they are sticking up for terrorists. Yeah. And, you know, just a just a quick and I know you you had mentioned uh, the Hamas spokesman, Ghazi Hamad, who, it, it, by the way, it just shocks me that these some of these individuals are allowed on still allowed on on Twitter, some of them with the statements. But this one telling the BBC, as you write about this, what you said gave the green light for the attack. But you don't see that it was reported by the BBC. I don't see it as widely reported in U.S. media or somehow it's not that kind of message is not being consumed by, for example, college students here in America. Yes, that's right. And, and the Wall Street Journal had an excellent uh, investigation where they, they documented Iran's role in this. But, you know, when you speak about college students, you're seeing the college students going even further. I mean, all across the country, especially groups like Students for Justice in Palestine, uh, they're not just saying, you know, this is an unfortunate uh, result of, uh, you know, oppression. They are, they are glorifying Hamas as uh, liberation fighters. Uh, they've uh, referred to, uh, in, in one uh, SJP chapter, uh, they, they spoke about how great it is that they finally showed the creativity necessary, uh, you know, to take back their land. Uh, and many of these are actually foreign nationals. A number of the students were saying that when they come into this country, they sign a document that says they will not provide any support uh, to terrorist organizations. Uh, it's something that uh, our leaders should be looking into, uh, whether these students are actually violating their student visas by coming here and agitating uh, on behalf of terrorist organizations. Oh, Jason Bedrick, what a great point you make. And I do want to ask you for, you know, as you talk about college students, I, I don't know if you saw this this morning, because we saw the Harvard students who were now CEOs across the country, were saying, well, we don't have to hire you with your ridiculous pro-Hamas statements, right? And we see a Yale professor. Now there's a, um, you know, there's a petition online where people can, are saying get her fired. But even here in Philadelphia, there's a heavyweight pen donor who, by the way, chairs Wharton's board of advisors asking mm-hmm. uh, that Penn's president and even the board chair resign because of the way they handled last month the Palestine Rights Festival and just ultimately talking about anti-Semitism essentially on campus and holding these individuals responsible. I mean, as somebody who writes about education and who looks at the big picture of students' education, where take us through your thoughts on this, if you would, Jason. Sure. You know, on, on college campuses today, you often hear about, uh, you know, seminars on microaggressions. And, you know, if you ask somebody, where are you from? Um, you know, this is a microaggression because it implies that they're not from here, which is ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are all sorts of, you know, vi- they're very, very careful with their campus speech codes. People are getting in trouble all the time for, you know, misgendering someone if they identify as a they, them, and you refer to them as a he or a she. Um you know, and, and, but when it comes to outright calling for the massacre of civilian populations, defending it as, as uh, legitimate um, resistance, uh, all of a sudden these universities start talking about free speech. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I'm a Harvard alum. I've never been more ashamed of my alma mater. Uh, the, the president of Harvard just today issued some a rambling statement where she talks about how uh, how committed their college is to free speech uh, when uh, the Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education just a few weeks ago gave Harvard 
Harvard the lowest score out of any university in the country for their record of uh, protecting free speech. Uh, it's just it's entirely disingenuous. Uh, they're giving free speech to the defenders of terror and mass murder, uh, but but not free speech to somebody who wants to say, uh, you know, somebody with male genitalia is a man. Uh, you know, it's it's just totally absurd and backwards. And it's time to start defunding the universities. Ah, and I know that um, on, you know, on Twitter, that that WSJ, the Wall Street Journal opinion, the moral duty to destroy Hamas, and that's what you're referring to, the, the must-read article. We're talking to Jason Badrick, Heritage Foundation Research Fellow in the Center for Education Policy at the Heritage Foundation. But as well, Jason, you've served so many different jobs as, for example, a member of the New Hampshire State Legislature, so you've been a lawmaker, a rep- Republican representing Wyndham, New Hampshire, research fellow at the Heritage Foundation and an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. So you have such a I think you just you give us such a great perspective with all of your background, your various background. We think about in in Pennsylvania, we had a promise from our governor, Josh Shapiro, uh, who had promised school choice and some vouchers for the neediest of families, especially in places like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, where we have failing school. And that has been caught up, I believe, privately to the dismay of Governor Shapiro, who, yes, is a Democrat, is considered a very moderate Democrat, but more progressive liberals have gotten hung up in that. And where are we on school choice in the nation? I know you have a a big opinion about school choice and what it means for America's children. Yeah, absolutely. I've been working on the school choice issue uh, for 20 years now, and uh, this has been the biggest year the school choice movement has ever had. Uh, just three years ago, there wasn't even a single state that offered uh, a publicly funded school choice option to every single child. Um, as of right now, there are nine states that either currently have a universal uh, school choice program or have a law that is phasing into universal over the next few years. Uh, There are a few other states like Indiana that come pretty close. Uh, And and right now, Texas uh, is in a special session with Governor Abbott uh, to uh, uh, hopefully pass a a universal education savings account bill, uh, like the one that Josh Josh Shapiro was was talking about, Mm -hmm. a a more limited education savings account. This is not to be confused with college savings accounts, uh, a K-12 ESA, uh, would allow families to tap into a portion of the state's funding per pupil uh, and use it to pay for things like private school tuition, tutoring, textbooks, homeschool curriculum, online learning, and more. So they can really have the freedom and flexibility to customize their child's education. Uh, and yeah, it's really unfortunate. The bill, uh, you know, it was a budget bill. It was a part yeah. of the budget. It was something the Republicans in the Senate really wanted. Uh, the Democrats voted for it, but they, uh, in the House, but uh, they made a deal, it looks like, with Governor Shapiro only to pass the bill if he would then line item veto the school choice part out of it, depriving students who had fallen behind uh, due to the COVID closures from an opportunity to be in a better learning environment. It's a real shame. Yeah, it is. I, I hope, I have faith, I hope that they can revive that. But to your point about how critical this is, you know, for any of us who have kids, we know even a half a year or a school year is so critical, especially in a place like Philadelphia, where our mandates were some of the strictest in the nation. Our kids here have years of learning loss. 
I, I just want to point people to your great article and your, your key takeaways in your heritage.org, uh, Heritage Foundation title, entitled Scandal Arizona Families Are Educating Their Children. And that's really where you're talking about a scandal um, is what ESA parents can buy. Can you, can you take us through your, your piece on this, Jason? Sure. There's a, there's a local groups called Save Our Schools. Interesting. It's not Save Our Students. It's Save Our Schools. <laughs> uh, and uh, they have been uh, 100% against the ESA program uh, for more than a decade, ever since it was enacted in, in 2011. Uh, and uh, there was just a report released by uh, the local ABC News affiliates that went through what the families are spending on. Uh, now, about... Um, Almost 90% of the spending is on traditional academic uh, expenses, uh, such as, you know, tuition and, and uh, you know, courses on history or English language and so on and so forth. Um, but about 10% was spent on what they're calling academic extras. Uh, and they were listing a whole bunch of things, uh, you know, like uh, how much money was spent on martial arts, how much was spent on um, musical instruments, uh, how much spent was on, on horseback riding lessons. Uh, now, uh, so they, they, they're like, oh, what a scandal. You know, our, our schools are underfunded and these families are, are buying uh, karate lessons. Well, uh, what I did is I showed actually all of these things are in public schools around the state. Yeah. Uh, uh, martial arts is often used uh, for physical ed requirements. Uh, there are schools that are spending lots of money on various musical instruments. And almost all of the horseback riding was actually equine therapy for students with special needs, particularly students that have cerebral palsy. And it really like rewires the brain to allow these students who otherwise have difficulty uh, just walking around to get to the point where they can even play with on a playground with their classmates. Uh, so, yes, they're trying to say it's a scandal. Uh, but what they really mean is that families are using ESA dollars to appropriately educate their children. Well, Jason Bedrick, you, you can find Jason at Jason Bedrick. And just your work is, you do great work. I hope you come back. I hope we can continue the conversation. But Jason, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.